Welcome to the Possibly Haunted Podcast. Welcome back to our podcast. Um, we are doing our kind of uh, palate cleanser episode in between our three-part series. Um, I am your host for this ice cream social, uh, Heather. And um, although it is February 15th when this is coming out, I don't think we've actually really ever talked about the origins of Valentine's Day Um, At least not in detail, and so I don't care that it's the day after. Love is love, love is timeless, it's 24-7. So we're going to talk just briefly in the sense of Heather Brief, if that helps any of our uh, reoccurring listeners. Um, I am going to be going through a lot of information because there's there's actually a lot to unpack with the history of Valentine's Day, which I, I found interesting. I knew one of them. Um, but there's a lot more I didn't know outside of that because I've never really bothered <laughs> to, to look into it because, you know, it's, you know, about today's practices and that kind of stuff. But I do like origin stories. I do like history. I will be going over uh, generalities of these moments of history just because there's so much into it. I really don't want to go uh, that in depth unless y'all really want me to. I could do like a part two or, or you know, you could do your research, however you want to do it. So why don't we just like jump in so we can, <laughs> we can get through this. So Typically, if we say Valentine's Day, uh, I'm going to speak for the United States of America and even more specifically, like, South Texas, or South, um, like, the South of the United States and then Texas, because I I can only talk about my experience and my basic knowledge, but Valentine's Day is February 14th every year, reoccurring, and it's usually celebrated through chocolates or candies or special dinners, maybe cards, especially like, I don't know if y'all remember or if y'all even had it for, for uh, my elementary through middle school. I don't think we did it in high school. Uh, we'd actually go and get these really cute, like little, little decorated cards. Um, and on the back would say to and then from, and you'd fill it out and you'd do it for your whole class. And if you, you know, were, a little bit more financially secure maybe you'd put in a lollipop or like the little candy hearts like one each I don't know it's just a nice kind of thing and I actually I I didn't care for it too much when I was in school but I actually kind of like the idea behind it because we associate Valentine's Day so much with romantic love and with school yes yes you would want to give a special one to your crush or like secret admirer and all that kind of stuff and that definitely is still there especially in high school with like i don't know what y'all did but i think we did something where we could like buy a rose for someone and all of that kind of stuff but i do also like it because if you made it for the whole class there was more opportunities for platonic love or communal love which i'm really really about um just as like normalizing saying i love you to a friend um and just like in the spirit of humanity like being there uh for for people um of course within your own boundaries can't get into that i just want to make that <laughs> a little disclaimer um but it's funny because if we're trying to think about the origins of it a lot of us immediately will go to i think um the idea of saint valentine and so i kind of want to go a little into him because um there were a lot 
of Valentine's and St. Valentine's. Did not know that. That was new for me. So one story could be that one St. Valentine was supposedly a Roman priest who performed secret weddings against the wishes of the authorities in the third century. Um, and he was imprisoned um, in the home of a noble. He healed his captor's blind daughter, causing the whole household to convert to Christianity and sealing his fate, basically, um, before being tortured and decapitated on February 14th. That's why that day is important. Uh, he sent the blind girl a note saying, you're Valentine. Now, actually, in doing research for this episode, I saw a lot of similar stories about this particular story, not always the same uh, St. Valentine and not always the same way. And in fact, some stories say that he actually tortured the captor's blind daughter, absolutely sealing his fate. So he could have been a lover, he could have been a fighter, could have been a little bit of both. Um, but there's also other accounts saying that a different saint named Valentine during the same period was actually the Bishop of Turney and also credited with secret weddings and martyrdom via beheading um, on February 14th. So definitely still around the idea of love and marriage and you know connecting two people and some kind of beheading. Um, I find it very interesting because Valentine as a name was very popular in ancient Rome. And there are at least 50 different stories, if uh, like at like bare minimum, if not more, you know, um, as, uh, as saints by, by different names. And, um, According to Forbes, um, uh, it said that the earliest surviving accounts of two February 14th Valentines uh, written starting in the fi 500s <laughs> um, that have a whole lot in common, and they were said to have healed a child um, and leading to, to the religious conversion and, um, and uh, the wedding secrecy. But let's... I kind of wanted that that's the story that I kind of grew up with I only knew about one Valentine and it was definitely um, he was trying to convert people to Christianity he's a Saint Valentine as uh, you know as we know and although we do know Christianity through conversion and like syncretizing all of the religious practices at the time he may not have been Christian and they just made him that way we see that with like uh, Saint Bridget of Ireland who was the goddess Brigid um, who was not Christian. <laughs> so, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, but I knew of the single one of the secret marriages and the, be be the beheading and the conversion of Christianity. I haven't really heard a lot of the other ones. Um, and before we, uh, you know, leave this t particular origin story, like I said, I'm only doing brief encounters, uh, to save time. I do kind of want to talk about the idea of St. Valentine as he was a saint with lots of responsibilities in the afterlife, like most saints. And so people can call on him to watch over the lives of lovers, of course, you know, but also for interventions regarding beekeeping and epilepsy, as well as the plague, fainting, and traveling. Um, and of course, you know, engaged couples and happy marriages, not just marriage, but like happy marriages. But I find it interesting that he was also the saint of beekeeping because we definitely need more of that. Um, epilepsy, I'm guessing like for curing or, you know, um, helping out with that. But really just because it's just, you know, when I discover this, the time that we are in now, we are in a pandemic. And so he is a patron saint of plagues. So maybe we all need to harness our energy of the like we'll just say the week of valentine's because it's it's gonna come out after harness our energy of love 
and maybe call upon him to help us get out of um, the current pandemic. I don't practice that. I can't tell you if that's how it goes. If you're out there, you understand, feel free to let me know <laughs> on how we can call upon uh, St. Valentine for those, for those reasons. But the historical evidence is really sketchy because it's not really clear whether the story started with one saint or with multiple. Um, and, and if there was one biographer or multiple biographers like who are borrowing details from each other, there's a lot of stories that are out there that are so similar, but the variations are different enough that it makes you question. And we, we've talked about how when you learn through oral, oral transmission, that's how we used to keep history. It was in our memory before we had any kind of written notation. There's going to be variations because humans' memories are not 100% perfect. Um, but there's still just, it's too sketchy and we're not sure if it actually existed. And there's a lot of scholars who have studied its origins that say there's little basis for the accounts of the idea um, of St. Valentine. But interestingly enough, there is a, an abundance of St. Valentine's um, on the Roman Catholic roster. So when I say St. Valentine, I could be talking about a bunch of different people, like we just kind of talked about, but specifically within the Catholic tradition, not just Roman, but Catholic. There's a lot of St. Valentine's. And you can, so you can choose to celebrate the saint multiple times a year. So obviously February 14th, which has kind of become the more canonized standard uh, St. Valentine holiday, but um, you can also celebrate St. Valentine of Viterbo on November 3rd, or maybe you want to get a jump on the traditional Valentine celebration by uh, uh, feasting on St. Valentine of Raisha or Raita on January 7th. Uh, women might choose to honor the only female St. Valentine, Valentina, who was a virgin martyred in Palestine on July 25th, AD 308. So July 5th. Um, and then the Eastern Orthodox Church officially celebrates St. Valentine's twice. Um, once as an elder of the church on July 6th, and then one as a martyr on July 30th. So, um, I guess pick a day that works for you. Um, if you want to stick with February 14th because it's already been ingrained in your cultural practices, good. If you want to do a couple extra ones because you love love and because love is amazing, um, there are many other dates in which you can choose to celebrate. Although I'm guessing if you're doing St. Valentine's within the Roman Catholic practices, not all are based on the love that, you know, we, we celebrate with February 14th. So I guess check in with your uh, local priests and see what you can do about that. Um, but specifically about that date, about February 14th, right? We, we, we know this as the Valentine's Day now. And we can actually trace this date in two different directions. The first direction I'm gonna talk about is um, a, a, a different origin story, right? So if, if St. Valentine's wasn't real, a real person, it wasn't a real thing, right? Um, then we can credit the idea of Valentine's Day and February 14th with love in the late Middle Ages, thanks to English uh, poet Geoffrey Chaucer, who was a very famous uh, a poet. And so it is believed that this medieval English poet often took liberties with history, placing his poetic characters into fictitious uh, historical context that he represented as real. There's no, according to this particular um, site, there's no record exists of romantic celebrations on Valentine's Day prior to the poem that Chaucer wrote around 1375. In his work, 
Parliament of Fowls. He links the tradition of courtly love with the celebration of St. Valentine's Feast Day, an association that, that didn't exist until after his poem received widespread attention. The poem refers to February 14th as the day birds and humans come together to find a mate. When Chaucer wrote, for this was sent on St. Valentine's Day, with uh, when every fowl cometh there to choose his mate, he may have invented the holiday as we know today. There's actually so much more to unpack with this story. I don't have time for this episode um, as much as I'd love to just get into it with y'all. Um, there's so much more about the actual poem itself and what he chose and like why he chose that day. Um, there have been some scholars who talked about how the day that he was referring to as day, uh, as birds and humans coming together to find a mate would probably be actually more May 3rd, which is two days after May Day or Beltane, which is, uh, still a spring Sabbath, but it's the return of the sun right before the summer solstice. So it's definitely a celebra celebratory day. It's definitely warm enough to go out and try and find a mate. Um, although there is, you know, some merit to saying, you know, February's pretty cold um, in the like Northern hemisphere. And especially like he's right, he's from England. So he's writing about like his understanding of English weather and all that kind of stuff. You might want to find a mate <laughs> when it's colder so you can stay warm. Um, there, we, we, we joke about that all the time with, uh, oh, I hope you found your person to like hibernate with. Um, until it gets warmer outside. But it's also why we have a lot of October and November babies. So like, like, just be careful um, with your the way that you choose to celebrate. <laughs> um, unless that's what you want. That's totally cool. No judgment here. Um, so yeah, so it's it's we have Saint Valentine's as an actual person, um, and then we have Chaucer who decided to write about this day of love, um, and, and and he also relates it to uh, a marriage between two royal members. Um, and then there's a speculation of why they chose that date or why that date was chosen for the poem about these royal, uh, about this royal engagement. Um, like I said, there's so much actually with the Chaucer example. If you really are actually interested, I highly recommend going and, uh, trying to look that up as much as you can. I'm getting a lot of my information just so we're all aware from um, the History Channel and uh, other sources that they provide. Um, I, do, I do appreciate website art, uh, articles actually providing their sources. I get, a little, I get a little suspicious if there's no <laughs> sources or citations or something that I can refer to the original source material. So, but we have one last twist of this holiday and guess what? It involves pagans. That's right, I said it, it involves pagans. Are we shocked? Probably not, because so many of our uh, cultural practices are, uh, specifically when I'm, when I'm talking about like the United States, you know, stuff like Halloween, Christmas, that kind of, Easter, all that kind of stuff, uh, definitely um, pagan origins. And so, Valentine's Day, why should that be any different? So, this involves uh, Lupercalia. I've heard this name before, I've heard a little bit about it, but I never really looked into it uh, until I started doing research for this episode. And so it was an ancient pagan festival held each year in Rome on February 15th. Guys, the day that you're listening to this, hopefully if you listen to it when it came out, <laughs> um, Lupercalia. So I'm gonna tell you how you can celebrate it. Um, there's gonna be some disclaimers and some warnings uh, because it was a little bit more brutal and violent than maybe you wanna celebrate, but there's uh, we can we can tailor it. We can. Uh, you know, adjusted for the times. 
So, on February 15th, there, there obviously a lot of people are still wanting to claim that the Martyr Christian State St. Valentine's is, you know, why the uh, holiday exists. There are some historians that believe the holiday is actually an offshoot of Lupercalia, much like how we have Christmas, Halloween, Easter, and all that kind of stuff. So, unlike Valentine's Day, however, Lupercalia was actually pretty bloody, violent, and sexually charged, which I, the sexually charged, I'll still put with Valentine's Day. Let's not even pretend that that's not part of love and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it was a celebration that was awash with animal sacrifice, random matchmaking, and coupling in the hopes of warding off evil spirits and infertility. Always trying to ward off those evil spirits. I can't blame you, but <laughs> I feel like we're doing it year round. I guess, it, I guess evil spirits don't have like a holiday where they're not trying to not be evil. They deserve a break. Anyways, in ancient Rome, the feasting began like after uh, the the ritual sacrifice, which usually involved um, sacrificing goats um, and and dogs. Which that, that part made me a little a little sad. And it is uh, it's it, they actually um, it's a blood sacrifice, so spreading of the blood, um, giving us that red color, and then they actually clean it up with um, milk. And so there's that white color in that involved, and that's it's there's there's reasons for that. And so they'd have the ritual sacrifice, then they'd have the feast. When the feast was over, they would cut strips, also called thongs or frebois, of goat hide um, from the newly sacrificed goats. Okay, they would run naked or nearly naked around the areas that they, they that they celebrated this, and they would um, actually begin whipping any woman within striking distance with those thongs. I am all for consenting whipping. But I don't know how I'd feel if I was just like in the streets. I mean, I guess I'd expect it, right? If it's part of my, my cultural practices, I'd know. But I don't know, I don't know how I feel about it, though. That feels it's like a lot. It's a lot. Um, so during this event, this holiday, the men would randomly cho choose a woman's name from a jar to be coupled with them for the duration of the festival. And often a lot of the couples would stay together until the following year's festival and uh, many fell in love and married. So that can come, kind of come from, uh, or uh, influencing the idea of love and marriage and, and stuff like that. And of course, over time, and probably through Christianity, <laughs> um, nakedness during this holiday lost popularity. So the festival became more chaste, if still undignified, and women, if they were whipped, were whipped usually on the hands instead of their entire body, and they were fully, it was done by fully clothed men. So we have St. Valentine's reputation as a patron of lovers, and he became synonymous with romance, but in the end, connecting more with this uh, Lupercalia holiday, in the late 5th century AD, Pope Gelasius, I'm sorry, I don't know, um, he, uh, the first, eliminated the pagan celebration of Lupercalia and declared February 14th a day to celebrate the martyrdom of St. Valentine instead. Um, but he probably didn't intend for the day to commemorate love and passion and sex, because, you know, Christians. Um, just kidding. In fact, uh, there are some modern biblical scholars that warn Christians not to celebrate Valentine's Day since it um, is thought to be based on pagan rituals. Which, you know, I, I actually thought about this during Christmas. Like, I'm not saying I am on board with a lot of the 
uh, Christian philosophy of like forced conversion um, or hate. I, I like I like a lot of the messages of love and and um, community and stuff like that. Like I don't really have a lot against uh, any religion um, unless they're coming at me telling me I'm going to hell because I don't believe or practice what they believe in practice. That's where you know, or when they try and use the religion as an excuse to control um, people. I get I get a little uh, off of that. And, but, and that's why it always makes me laugh. Come around certain holidays, like Halloween, Christian, or Christian, uh, sorry, Christmas, or even Easter, it makes me laugh so hard when a lot of um, Christian practitioners are so gung-ho about celebrating in a specific way, and they'll get really upset if you don't do it the way that they think it should be practiced, but a lot of those practices are pagan. And um, I recently, because you know I only know so much, um, found out that there are Christian uh, denominations that don't celebrate those days because they recognize the pagan uh, rituals and influences. They recognize that a lot of early uh, Christianity conversion involved syncretizing multiple religions. And so they're just like, no, we don't do that because that's not actually Christianity. And while I may not agree with other things, I appreciate that. That's a slight tangent, but it's just something I was thinking about. Like, I appreciate the acknowledgement of where the traditions come from. And I'm not saying that they can't celebrate it. I'm not, celebrate what you want to celebrate, just make sure you're not hurting people. Um, but it, I, I, I find it intriguing, the kind of level of respect um, and awareness that some denominations have. So um, wanted to throw that out there. But to kind of compare a few, very few, very few <laughs> Lupercalia practices with uh, modern day Valentine's practices. So the date, the fact that it's the fifth, like it was the 15th and now we're on the 14th, that's kind of, that's pretty typical of a lot of early uh, Christian conversions of um, religion of just finding either the date or a date around it that worked for them and trying to justify it somehow. In this case, one of their saints being beheaded. Who wouldn't want to celebrate that? Uh, but uh, the other two uh, kind of things, which is just, it's just the color. So color red, which represented the blood sacrifice during the Lupercalia, but red usually represents love and like the heart and all that kind of stuff. And then we have the color white, which signified the milk that was used to wipe down the blood clean and represents new life and procreation, which can be a part of Valentine's Day. You never know. So that idea of red and white, and of course, red and white make pink. Like there's just, you know, you could unpack that. But you know, like a lot of ancient traditions, there's a lot of haziness surrounding the origins and rituals of Lupercalia and how they influence Valentine's Day. It's not really a mainstream public celebration for a lot of obvious reasons, but there are still some non-Christians who still recognize the event um, on February 14th instead of Valentine's Day. So they'll, they'll celebrate in private um, instead of doing the typical um, modern day Valentine's Day. Um, I know that was a lot but when I first started the research, it's like, oh, this would be just a cute little fun palette cleanser, just like stuff we probably already know. And it was so much more complex. Like a lot of things that we kind of take for granted, it was much more complex than I expected. And I wish I could get more into it. Um, who knows, maybe if we're still doing this a couple of years, I'll focus specifically on Chaucer. I'll sp focus specifically more on Lupercalia. Who knows? Um, Y'all can let us know <laughs> if you are interested in more like detailed stuff like this. If you like our holiday origins, this didn't, I did not intend for this to be a pagan origin type thing, but you know, at the end of the day, it kind of all circles back to a lot of, a lot of pagan practices. 
was kind of, you know, existing before Christianity. So, you know, there's a lot to say about that. But um, know that you can always uh, ask for future topics um, or even, you know, part twos of topics we've already talked about. You can go on our social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you don't have any social media, don't worry. You can always email us at possiblyhauntedpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you um, and all that good stuff. So, you know, whether you are <laughs> um, celebrating Lupercalia in private, no judgment, whether you are reading uh, The Origins of Chaucer's Valentine's Day, or whether or not... Um, you know, you are eating chocolate, celebrating the beheadment, <laughs> the decapitation of a beloved saint. You could still be possibly haunted. Ooh.